very pleased to welcome in one of the esteemed handicappers on the Gold Book, goldbookbets.com. His name is Kevin Kilroy. Gave out the $57 winner in the stakes race at Kentucky Downs yesterday, and his key play at Saratoga came home to win as well. A good uh, good day on the book, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. That was a nice uh, that was a nice first day. Love that Kentucky Downs. Get to get all that value. Also had that daily double, the late double with uh, – that uh, Kelsey Dannerhorst coming home in the last. So hopefully some people cashed that and uh, made some money for for betting this weekend. There you go. Uh, Again, uh, goldbookbets.com. Find all of Kevin's stuff there. Uh, Saratoga and Del Mar on the card today uh, over there. And, of course, uh, the two uh, college football games tonight, Central Michigan, Michigan State, and, of course, Georgia Tech uh, hosting Louisville down there in Atlanta. Uh, So we'll have all those in the gold book this weekend. We head to Saratoga with you, Kevin. A little disappointing on the field size uh, at Saratoga this weekend. But, hey, when you're running three races for a million bucks or more at Kentucky Downs, what can you expect? <laughs> I know it took a, took a lot of way. But, yeah, we've seen some uh, short fields uh, left and right throughout the meet and has just been kind of the case uh, up there for some of these great mistakes recently. It's tough, you know. It just uh, it makes it a different handicapping situation with smaller fields. You don't always see the same sort of – um, running style, the preferred running style play out. You know, it just depends on the pace scenarios. And these are some weird pace scenarios in these uh, these stakes. Three graded stakes, and then, of course, the Harvey Pack, um, that turf sprint, which is interesting as well. Yeah, We're, it's... Go ahead, Dan. I, I, you know, I, I was just going to say, the field sizes are unbelievable to me. You've got a, a half a million grade twos, got four horses. you got two, a $250,000 a grade two that has five horses. You have the Harvey Pack, a listed stakes for 150 that has six horses. And then you had to put up a million dollars to get eight horses for, for the gold cup. Um, is this a sign, Kevin? Uh, is this going to be the new normal that there just aren't enough horses being produced anymore to, to have these big fields? You know, the trend is there. Yeah, you don't see it reversing, right? We've been seeing this coming. Um, and also the uh, you know the modern trend just to, to give a lot of time and to train up to big races. So we got a lot of horses who are training up to the Breeders' Cup Classic now. That sort of situation um, connections just aren't as likely to uh, to you know keep on throwing their horses in the ring and sort of see how it goes and let them work through their form in the afternoons. They'd prefer to keep it under control in the morning. And um, you know all those sort of decisions are, are above my pay grade. But as a horse player. Um, I don't like it. That's why I do like the big fields that we're seeing at Kentucky Downs. Um, even though the takeout's up there, which is a little bit disappointing to see that 1% tick up. Seeing those big fields and having that turf race uh, just makes it more alluring as a better. Del Mar's been doing great with big fields as well. So you got to pick your spots. you got to be smart um, and know where to swing. But, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, Dan, that we see, uh, see that reverse course and get some bigger fields coming soon. Uh, we'll talk uh, with uh, John Lindo next segment about Del Mar that, uh, uh, that Kevin just referenced. And, of course, Kate and Bradar will join us in the final segment today to talk Kentucky Downs. Uh, she'll be down there for all the days of the meet uh, as they roll this week and next uh, down there in Franklin. But let's get to the two Breeders' Cup winning in races. Kevin, you mentioned one of them earlier. That is the grade two flower bowl. We're growing a mile three-eighths on that turf course, the inner turf course at Saratoga. Uh, half a million bucks here, man, and a winning in for that Philly and Mare turf here. Is a uh, a horse in this race got a chance to hit the board? We won't even say win. Hit the board of the Philly and Turf in the Breeders' Cup. Oh, no. I, <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah, no. I don't think so, so who wins the race then? 
Dollar Horse is number three, Tamarama, um, was entered in a race uh, today at Saratoga, and then now we see Tamarama in here. And so I think that's the one that they they snagged um, to get this uh, to get this to run. So it could be one of those situations. Whoa, the horse that didn't expect to come in gets it done, but I just don't see it. We just haven't seen the speed. Sure, um, it'll be the first time starting in North America. Um, Jack Fisherson does get Javier Castellano, who's been riding quite well. Um, and it is, like I said, a short field, so you never know how these trips work out. But it's hard. I mean, looking at these three others, um, I can I can make a knock. Out. They're all negatives to me. Like, out of that last mm-hmm. race, Amazing Grace and McCulloch um, came out of that same one. Um, it was a really, you know, turf rail bias that day. It was, that was the place to be, and they both rode it throughout. Now, that being said, Amazing Grace did have to uh, steady and lose, you know, um, I think two or three lengths. Um, at a key moment, right before that far turn to that longer race, that mile-and-a-half race. And basically, McCulloch got the trip that Amazing Grace could have had and you know, and finished well after that, after studying there. So I do give the nod to Amazing Grace. I think it should help our value a little bit. Um, none of these horses want to be forward. They all have that late kick. Um, so I do want to, to knock McCulloch. I think last race was the race there. Maybe Parnak, if that price gets interesting, um, could just be forward and possibly just try to take them uh, wire to wire with that rail draw. Sure. Um, six to one on the morning line for Parnak. You know, it's all price dependent with these small short fields. So I'll put Amazing Grace on top and say trust that one the most. Uh, we haven't seen quite the same level of effort from Parnak yet, but um, it's been a little bit since we've seen uh, Parnak and maybe as a four-year-old, this Phillies take another step forward, might trip out. Uh, but Amazing Grace is the one. I want to fame McCulloch here in the uh, four-horse field for the Flower Bowl. Give us your single, Dan. Uh, I, I Like Kevin, I couldn't figure out who goes to the lead. I think sure. I think McCulloch has to by default. And so, um, you know, I and, and just walks the dog. I, I don't see... I don't, I don't see anybody beating McCulloch. McCulloch is the two horse there. Parnak that uh, Kevin mentioned is the one. That's race three tomorrow at Saratoga. We're going to go to later in the card now uh, to race 11. This is the uh, this is the jewel of the day, the Jockey Club Gold Cup. Uh, they moved this to Saratoga a couple years ago. It's a million bucks. Uh, classic distance, 10 furlongs a mile and a quarter uh, on the dirt there. Uh, we see some returners here, Kevin. This is an interesting field. Um I think between this and, and the and the Pacific Classic, we're getting a nice view. Um, and by nice, I mean a, a clear view into how good the the older dirt uh, field is this year. And uh, my friend, it, it isn't great. Um, and so, uh, but we do get a Grade One winner at Proxy, who uh, who made me look very smart uh, in the Clark last year, um, coming in here. And then we got a horse that's done every damn thing we essentially have asked him to do this year, except for one in rattle and roll, uh, running for Kenny McPeak here as the favorites. I'm fascinated by the two uh, two horses coming out of the Josie Carroll barn as well. Where did Kevin's uh, brain land in this one? Yeah, I, I got uh, tempted into uh, taking those Josie Carroll horses. They both, you know, definitely have a form pattern that shows that they could step forward. So if you really do like the price of Tyson, that number six or Duke of Love, the number seven. Five to one morning line, Tyson, 15 to one on Duke of Love. They could be interesting. They could take a nice step forward. Uh, I do think that they're entering, trying to get a piece of this, right? Seeing this, this short field uh, coming down from Woodbine over from Mountaineer last time for Duke of Love. Bright Future, the number eight, definitely has a great form pattern in terms of looking like possibly could step forward for Todd Fletcher. You might get a good price 
off that six to one morning line there. But I've had a negative note, just really one with the race flow. Last time, pressed and pounced. Um, there wasn't too much passing that day at Saratoga, July 21st, specifically in that race. So I um, was able to get that perfect setup, but maybe, you know, could get that similar setup there. So Bright Future is interesting. But I do think the class of Rattle and Roll and Proxy will shine here. Um, how how crazy was it to see Proxy take the lead last time mm. out there at Monmouth in the Monmouth Cup and wire that field? Not your typical trip for Proxy, but I do think one thing they're seeing is that he really doesn't like eating dirt. He gets he gets pretty angry if he's got to uh, take a lot of dirt in the face. So he's got the rail here. Possibly uh, Rosario is going to just just send him there and try to take him you know wire to wire and let Rattle and Roll try to run him down late. He's definitely got late kick. He's shown his class. Third start. In the uh, in the form cycle, I think there's a lot to like there. Um, had a bunch of excuses there for that Ellis Park race on the rail, eight dirt. Um, it really just didn't seem like it was going to work out for him from the get-go there. Uh, Proxy's my top pick there. Rattle and roll right underneath, and that's just no fun, right? Too chalk. Um, <laughs> eat, eat, eat chalk on ESPN. Who wants to do that, Dan? Can you get something more creative than that? Uh, I I did. Uh, I know both Proxy and Rattle and Roll have won grade ones. Uh, Rattle and Roll is a two-year-old. But I don't trust either one of them. Now, as you say, they're the class of the race, and if either one of them won, it wouldn't surprise me. But, man, they are liable to throw in a clunker every once in a while. And I think the now horse you mentioned first, I think, Kevin, is Tyson. Now, he's never been on dirt. It's always it's always been synthetic, but he's a tappet out of a smart strike mare, so he shouldn't have any problem with dirt. And rather than take uh, you know seven to five or eight to five on proxy and rattle and roll, I'd rather take five to one on Tyson. Yeah, yeah, draws nicely. I think there could could really get a good trip. Yeah, it's an interesting entry, and I and I, I frankly. You know, with everyone being at Kentucky Downs except for Irad, getting Manny Franco is actually kind of a coup. You know, <laughs> like that's actually a nice, that's a nice, uh, a nice uh, uh, option there uh, for the Carroll Barn. Interested to see that horse. I just, I mean, first time without Lasix, first time on dirt, most weight the horse has ever carried. I, a lot of who knows, and that's why if that horse gets up to six, seven to one, something like that um, would make it really interesting. But um, I think an absolute include um, in those exotics. I'm also looking at. I don't think Todd Pletcher puts Bright Future in here by accident. That's a horse that clearly liked uh, Saratoga last time, going a mile and an eighth. We're stretching out a little bit more than that. If Dan's going to talk breeding, damn it all, I'm going to do it too. This is a Curlin, uh, you know, a son of Curlin. And so, it, you know, $350,000 purchase at Keeneland. Obviously, they thought a lot of this horse a couple of years ago as a yearling when they purchased him. And so I'm wondering if this is a, a, a Todd Pletcher special where lightly raced horse comes in. Um, and happens to pick one off under Javier Castellano, who, um, who, uh, oh my goodness, Kevin mentioned earlier as uh, ha- having a uh, a good uh, vein of form uh, right now, as we would say on the soccer side. So there you go. Um, any other parts of this card that you saw that you were like, man, that's a that's a good spot for me. I think, for example, um, I think Brad's Dazzling Blue is going to have a really big race in the progress. Yeah, yep. yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Okay. I, you know, it's, it's all that's all front runners though, right? It's all all yes, speed correct. horses. Yep. We've seen her race nicely though, so she might sit off of it. But she draws yep. perfectly on this outside spot and will have options based off the break. So I think she she she, she seems like a lock there, although there's some other interesting ones, but that's another weird case scenario. And then you got big invasion, right? I think you can toss out 
a few of those um, running that Harvey pack um, that listed stakes there, but it definitely seems like the one has, has put some efforts out there that have been uh, seemingly breeder cup uh, sprint type efforts. So big invasion uh, seems like another chalky pick there in that one. Um, yeah. So a lot of chalk short fields, you got to find a value here. Uh, maybe either being skinny in your multi-race tickets and uh, pressing them up or uh, taking some long shots in these in between legs. Hey Kevin, when you talk about that, and I, you know, we're we're getting sports uh, wagering here on Thursday um, as a brick and mortar operation, and um, you and I can say things like "go skinny on your tickets" um, and press them up. What does that mean? What does skinny mean? What does what does press them mean? What what do those terminologies mean? Yeah, so you know, when you're looking at multi race um, bets, you're trying to pick the winner in uh, you know races in a row, right? Whether it's three, four, or five, even a daily double, six, pick six. So skinny would be singling, right? Just choosing one horse if that horse has to win for you to survive that leg. And then the opposite of that would be spreading, where you throw a blanket over, you know, three, maybe even up as much as one, right? And just take them all. Sure. Like, well, I'm going to survive the leg no matter what and, and move forward. So, yeah, getting skinny, it just makes it so that it's a uh, altogether, your ticket is uh, inexpensive, right? You're betting very little. To, to win, you know, a good amount, not a lot. You know, a lot of times you're going to see a skinny ticket just trying to get a $600 pick five. You know, you're kind of saying that that's what's going to be. Sure. And so when you press it up, let's say you have like a $6 pick five ticket, you're trying to get 600 bucks off of it. Might as well play it multiple times. It doesn't always have to be that same combination. You can make little tinkers here and there in the legs. But if you can play that 10 times, you're talking about – you know, betting sixty bucks to get six thousand, um, which which could be better. Um, so you know, thinking about that, thinking about you don't just have to play a multi-race ticket one time, and uh, don't be afraid just to put a skinny ticket together if you do see that chalk coming through, or you're listening to us talk on the radio and say all these horses <laughs> seem like short prices and they're likely going to win. Hey, a lot of people are going to be thinking like that. There's a lot of equity in just say I'm going to be able to build a ticket, ticket some of these prices on the other side to uh, prove these uh, public handicappers wrong. I, I've been eating all the chalk. You guys have been creative. So prove, uh, prove Kevin Kilroy wrong. So you can also take that as an opportunity to take a swing. And you know, we've talked about that sure. before. And I know uh, Dan, your son, was able to do that, taking that whole pool. So it can be a really uh, awesome opportunity, that horse racing affords, where you can have the whole pool sort of coming your way if you can be savvy and, uh, and go against uh, the chalk. All right, well, he's Kevin Kilroy at Trust Your Luck on Twitter. And as we mentioned, goldbookbets.com. Uh, Find his selections all weekend long, uh, both at Saratoga and at Kentucky Downs when they're running. Hey, Kevin, we'll talk to you next week, man. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. Talk to you. Thanks, Kevin. Welcome back, our friend. John Lindo to the show, at John Lindo 60 on Twitter uh, to talk Delmar, man. Uh, John, how are you? Did you survive the hurricane okay, man? <laughs> Uh, it was a little bit overrated. Good morning, guys. Uh, you know, we had remnants of, <laughs> remnants of tropical storm Hillary here. Enough rain to, uh, you know, just precautious. They canceled the Del Mar race for that one Sunday. But we're back to the usual weather. It'll be mid-70s, clear, fast, and firm for the Pacific Classic on Saturday. Looking forward to a really good weekend out here in California. Well, let's get straight into it. Let's go to that Pacific Classic. I think an interesting field in uh, some horses in here that I think – Man, if you if they have their day, they could really upset the apple cart uh, in this one. Uh, Dan is very very high on Go Rocket Ride. Thinks he might be the best three year old in the country. When you look at this Pacific Classic field, what do you expect to happen on Saturday? 
Well, you know, the, the older horses in California have been rather, relatively modest all year long. So, I, And it's an interesting race because you have three three-year-olds in the race, Gold Rocket Ride, Arabian Night, and Skinner. Original field of 11, but yesterday in the press box they announced that number two, Katona, will scratch from this race. So we're looking at a field of 10 for the Pacific Classic. And uh, I do think Gold Rocket Ride is the horse to beat, guys. Uh, I really like this race in the Haskell where he sat off the pace, which which is not uh, his, he's been kind of a pace presser out here but he, he sat behind the pace in the Haskell angled to the outside made a big run around the turn and then you know he looked the Kentucky Derby winner mage in the eye when that horse ranged up to him at the eighth pole and just shook him off and went about his business uh, he's got a lot of fight to him and uh, we'll find out about the mile and a quarter you know the, none of the three-year-olds entered in the race have been a mile and a quarter before but at Del Mar the, the mile and a quarter the Pacific Plastic Classic plays a little bit shorter than that. Uh, you saw Bobby Frankel for years run a lot of horses that were mile and an eighth horses that were getting the mile and a quarter. I don't know if it's the short stretch or how this racetrack plays, but uh, if you can't get a mile and a quarter at some other tracks, you can get it at Del Mar. Uh, I do think Go Rocket Ride the one to beat. It's, it's an interesting pace scenario because number nine, Arabian Knight, the three-year-old from Bob Baffert's stable and the stable made to fund it, they both have speed, and you have to think they're not going to hook up together and, and you know tear each other apart on the front end. I think Arabian Knight is probably the speed of the speed, and if he gets loose on the front end, he's, he's dangerous. Now, he looked like he needed the race when he was third behind Go Rocket Ride in the Haskell. He's come back to train very well at Del Mar. Again, he showed in his first two career starts that he looked like he, he could be any kind. He's very light on seasoning, but he's fast, and uh, Bob Baffert will not send an unfit horse in the, in the Pacific Classic. And if Flavian Pratt, who comes out to ride him, can get him loose on the front end, this horse, he could carry a long way. As far as the, the John, older horses in there, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you're absolutely right. The older horses in here have just uh, taken turns beating one another. I, I agree with uh, Go Rocket Ride, and, and when you put up a million dollars, I can't think of a better jockey than Mike Smith. But would you be a little concerned about his lack of seasoning? He's only had four starts. Well, yeah, I, I would agree with that in general, but I thought he, he learned a lot in the Haskell. Uh, he took the dirt in his face. He was down on the rail, which he drew again in the Pacific Classic on Saturday. Uh, he was able to sit back when he could not make the lead in there, and Mike Smith found a way to work him off the rail. And then uh, he made a middle move, which, which we haven't seen him do yet, and then he kept going. So I think he checked a lot of boxes in, in the race of Mammoth and shipping back and forth to the East Coast. Again, I think he's caught up quite a bit with some of the other horses here. And you got to remember, in just you know his third start of his career, he won the Affirm Stakes. And his very second start of his career, after breaking his maiden, he, he ran uh, second in the San Felipe to Practical Move, who was one of the favorites for the Derby before he got scratched the week of the Derby. So he's been asked to do a lot by trainer Richard Mandela, who's very conservative. He's answered all those questions. And Mandela was actually considering the shared belief stakes for this horse on Sunday, but he's done so well. He said, no, I'm going in the Classic with the big boys. John Lindo with us, at JohnLindo60 on Twitter, ThoroughbredLA, ThoroughbredLA.com. They do a great job out there. Uh, on the weekends, you can check him out uh, on that as well. A horse that I cannot figure out, and I imagine you have to be in the same spot, is trained by Doug O'Neill, so that shouldn't be surprising. But the, uh, his name is Slow Down Andy. He's in this race uh, for Mario Gutierrez, 8-1 to one on the line. Um, history says he's going to finish second, but uh, where do you do you think he, he has a chance here? I just I cannot figure this horse out. 
You know, I do. I, I really thought he ran well in the San Diego back on July 29th. The first two weeks of, of Del Mar, uh, you could not win down on the rail. It was just an absolute no-go. And he was down on the fence. He got outrun chasing a very fast pace that day by Brickyard Ride. Got the lead, but the horse that benefited from the way the track bias was playing was number eight, Senior Buscador, who's also in here. But uh, slow down, Andy did well to run second that day. He was clear of the rest of the field. He makes a third start off the layoff. Again, he's, he's unproven going a mile and a quarter, but he's tactical. I, I think he'll be right behind Arabian Night and, and possibly defunded. And he's one of those horses that will just keep grinding. Uh, whether he, he wins the race or not, I think he can definitely impact the exactas and trifectas. And, and who knows? I mean, stranger things have happened. And, and Doug O'Neill won seven races here last week. He's been on an absolute roll. And uh, when that barn gets good, they start, uh, you know, things go out there and they just stick. Speaking of this field, John and John Lindo with us, we just talked about the Gold Cup out at uh, Saratoga. And, you know, the uh, just between proxy and rattle and roll, trying to figure out who's going to be the favorite going into the Breeders' Cup Classic. Do you think there's a chance the Breeders' Cup Classic winner is running in the Pacific Classic tomorrow? You know, if he is, I would think it would probably be one of the three-year-olds. I've seen these older horses, and uh, none of them strikes me as a, as a Breeders' Cup Classic kind of winner. Uh, the thing all these horses have in their favor, it's a home game because the race is at Santa Anita this year. They don't have to yep. do a lot of shipping. They can race in their own backyard. But uh, of the older horses, I, I don't think I see a Breeders' Cup Classic winner amongst that group. Uh, we don't know what the the, uh, the the top is yet for Go Rocket Ride. He's, he's still got some upside. And Arabian Knight with only three career starts, what if he moves forward? And, and what if he shows he likes the mile and a quarter on Saturday? Uh, you have Skinner in here, the other three-year-old in the race for trainer yep. John Sheriff. We haven't talked about him. Uh, he was a, a, a scratch when he got sick the week of the uh, Kentucky Derby. And then he came back and, and uh, got in a preparation in the Los Alamitos Derby, ran second. I know he's a horse that John Sheriff has been wanting to get out to a mile and a quarter, hasn't had the chance yet. Now, he doesn't have a whole lot of early speed, but, you know, uh, if he finally gets over the top, he's been threatening to run a really big race, and he hasn't done it yet. But uh, I think the ability's there, and if they go real fast early, this main track at, San, at uh, Del Mar, the stretch has been a little bit tiring the last couple of weeks. If they get a little leg weary, he's the kind of horse that will come running on at a price, and, and he, he's not without a shot in the race either. John, a great card on uh, on Saturday at Del Mar. Number of stake races. We go from mile and a quarter Pacific Classic to the five furlong Green Flash Handicap. I I I can't figure this race out. Did you <laughs> Did you like anybody particularly in this race? This is one tough heat. There is a ton of speed in this five furlong sprint from the rail out. Number one, Fast Buck. Number two, Kid Corleone. Number seven, Noble Reflection. Number 11, the three-year-old Bus Buzz. And if he also scratches in, number 13, Halotic. There is nothing but speed in here, and I really think it sets the table for somebody off the pace, even at five furlongs. You're going to have the rails on the turf down at zero, so it'll be a big, wide course. There ought to be room to maneuver. And I think Matorius from the Phil D'Amato stable is probably the one that's going to benefit from the pace scenario the most. He runs well fresh. The only uh, race he ran going five furlongs on the turf at Del Mar, he won from a very bad post. And uh, I thought he ran super in his last start. And uh, the Phil D'Amato stable, when you, when, when you run grass stakes out here in California, you have to start there. He seems to have every kind of grass stakes race division covered. Moratorious, I think the one to beat, another coming off a layoff lane way. 
Uh, also for the Mike Smith Richard Mandela combination, this is another horse that will sit back and make one run, and they finally get some the kind of pace they need to make them look good. I think both of those horses are very live, but uh, you know if you're playing rolling bets and there's a mandatory pad in the Rainbow Six on Saturday, you better have some coverage here because this race, depending on traffic, could go a lot of different ways. We had the uh, incident in race one out there yesterday. Is there an update today on Uberto Rispoli? Is he out for the weekend? We don't know yet. Uh, the, I was there, out there, and it was a very strange you know, accident in that uh, the horse to its inside just came out a little bit and was enough to get Umberto's horse uh, single-track mine over the heels of another horse. He went down, and the horse trailing him stepped on both of his legs. Yeah. And it's it's an absolute miracle that uh, he didn't break his legs or anything. Um, every, every All the x-rays came back clean. The CAT scan came back clean. He was discharged and went home last night. I'm going to assume he's not going to ride uh, today. Uh, I don't know about this weekend. He's got 11 mounts on the 11 race cards Saturday, including some important races, uh, you know, stakes mounts. So I know Umberto will do everything to get back, but uh, that, that was a heck of a 35th birthday present for Rispoli yesterday. Uh, John, John Lindo with us at John Lindo sixty on Twitter. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, no, I was good. I was just going to ask you. You're a lucky guy. You've got the Breeders' Cup at Santa Anita this year and the Breeders' Cup at Del Mar next year. Do you have a preference? Do you have a preference between those two tracks? Uh, wherever I can cash a ticket, Dan. <laughs> 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 no, I, I love both. I mean, I grew up in the Los Angeles area, so Santa Anita is always a home track for me. I live in Carlsbad now, about 10 miles north of Del Mar, so these are home games for me during this meet. I love both racetracks. love to see the Breeders' Cup when it comes out here. I think Del Mar puts on a great show. I, I think it's a great venue for the Breeders' Cup. Uh, as far as uh, you know, the, the, that time of year is beautiful down here. And uh, but you know, Santa Anita can handle the big crowd. You get that buzz going out there. So I think they're both terrific places to have it. And like I say, if I can just find the right horse on the right day, I don't care where it's at. There it is. He's John Lindo. Uh, we're talking Del Mar with him, getting you ready for those cards uh, out west. As he mentioned, there is a uh, mandatory payout in the pick six there tomorrow. That starts in race six. Uh, tomorrow so the end of the card there five straight stakes to close the card uh no excuses for anybody capping uh tomorrow so there you go uh in the last race day uh dan i love gold phoenix the 10 john do you agree with me on that one mm. well he's the defending champ and uh, he prepped yeah. for this race winning the uh, eddie reed earlier in the meet so he's coming into this race very sharp the only thing i worry about louis is that at a mile and a three ace that first turn of three turns comes up pretty quick and Gold yep. Phoenix is drawn in post 10. So the leading rider, Juan Hernandez, is going to have to work out a trip. And there isn't a ton of speed in here. So, the, you know, mm. he's a horse that likes to come from off the pace. You're going to have to work out a trip in that post 10. If he's vulnerable or not, I think number six, awfully naughty, comes off a bad trip in the San Juan Capistrano going a mile and three quarters at Santa Anita. And uh, he was getting to be toward the top of the, the marathon horses out here before that race. He's got a chance to bounce back in here. I, I, it's a very tactical race, and you're going to have to get lucky. But if the best horse wins, you'd run the right horse, uh, Gold Phoenix. Well, there you go. He's John Lindo at John Lindo 60 on Twitter. You can find them at thoroughbredla.com as well on the weekends. Uh, what's the show look like tomorrow ahead of the Pacific Classic? Well, we'll go. We'll be talking Pacific Classic Day, and we'll get the updates on Umberto Rispoli. And you know, there's as usual. There's a number of uh, uh, 
clerical things and the suspensions and all that stuff going on with Heisen. Oh, yeah. And, you know, one writer who's been on fire out here is Antonio Frizu, who came out from the Middle yes. East, and uh, he won 10 races last week. He's up to second in the jockey standings, but it was announced yesterday he's got eight he's a days of suspensions for whip violations coming up next week and you know it'll put a little damper to, to what what's gone on but you know he, he's getting one of those one strike over the limit penalties after the other and they add the points up and all of a sudden now he's going to have to sit out seven days plus the one day he's a suspension starting a week from today but watch this guy and he rides turf dirt everything equally well and had a terrific meet and he rides a lot for trainer doug o'neill there you go he's john lindo and we thank you for hanging out with us today. John, we'll have you on soon. Thanks, son. Thanks, right, John. Guys. Good luck this weekend. Appreciate it. Thank right. you. You too. Well, John Lindo, a little thoroughbred L.A., one of my favorite guys in horse racing. We're pleased to welcome in. And, and I, I'm not blowing smoke because I've told Kate in this before. The best handicapper on FanDuel, bar none, Kate and Bradar. Kate we enjoyed your coverage yesterday of <laughs> opening day at Kentucky Downs. You gave out a winner or two. Yeah, Dan, you know what? It's it's always a relief when you get through opening day and you have at least a couple winners because it can definitely go the opposite direction. It's one of the hardest meets, but it is um, so much fun. And I, I think I actually think more rewarding than uh, than it's always good to win. But of all the places that I have to do handicapping and selection for, um, it just is a little bit more special to to come off with a with a good day. But um, I didn't, unfortunately, have any of the long shots, but we had quite a few, and that's always really yes. exciting, too. So, Yeah. Yep. Hey, um, you were doing double duty yesterday. You were on FanDuel, and then you were also doing the in-house, and I was going back and forth. Uh, <laughs> and I think, did you not give out, uh, on the in-house program, did you not give out the trifecta in the last race? I I did and and that was the, <laughs> that was the, and I gave out the winner and that one was one of those um, incredibly that everything came together beautifully because it was I didn't think the horse would be as high a price as he was which was five to one wasn't sky high but it was nice odds um, I thought he'd get bet a little bit for uh, Keith uh, Keith DeSormo and James Graham and uh, or excuse me that was uh, Kelsey Danner and Adam Biskitza. And yeah. uh, the and at five to one for copper missile, of course, I really liked a lot. And then it all came together beautifully. But you know, it's that's one of those meets where um, the more you're at, the more you start to pick up a few nuances or a few things about it. It really is a tricky meet, and it's a very uh, trendy. You know, some trainers just do really well there, and others. Um, even top trainers struggle a little bit. So it, it makes it a real puzzle, but uh, it was great to end the day on a high note like that. I hope I haven't set myself up for <laughs> disappointment the rest of the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's setting you up for disappointment. She's Kate and Bradar. She joins us here on ESPN Louisville at uh, C Bradar on Twitter, B-R-E-D-A-R. Go find her there. You can join a dance. 20,000 people follow Kate on Twitter, and they should. That's great. A um, yeah. couple of... Uh, you know, no big deal, Caden. Just a $3 million races tomorrow, one of them for $2 million. Um, Is there a standout in any of those stakes races? I'll kind of leave the you know the floor open for, for you here. I mean, obviously you have the Music City, uh, the Mint Millions, of course, both of those being grade threes. Uh, and prior to that, of course, the Gun Runner for three-year-olds as well. Is there a standout runner in any of those races for you? You know, I wish there were. Um, in this case, it, it <laughs> might, you might be able to narrow it down a little bit. But truly, 
um, I, I really thought that they're extremely, extremely competitive races. I will say that, um, you know, Todd Fletcher is a horse, uh, is a trainer who usually, who hasn't participated as much um, in Kentucky right. Downs in years past. And, and he has um, a couple really live horses in the, uh, in the gun runner. He's got Major Dude. And I think Major Dude has the right kind of style for Kentucky Downs. Um, he's got a little tactical speed. Um, he can be close to the pace. I, I don't know what odds he's going to go off, but I, I do like him quite a bit. In the in the Music City, um, Kelsey Danner is the trainer who, who trained that winner in the last race yesterday, and she did the same thing last year where she goes to Colonial Downs, and maybe the competition isn't quite as tough as, say, like a Saratoga or a Del Mar, um, but and so as a result, her horses get overlooked, but she's an exceptional trainer, and especially with her turf horses that those that have run at colonial come into Kentucky downs and they run lights out. And she's got a horse named Dance Macabre who has won at Kentucky downs. She won last year in the untappable stakes. And um, it's Adam Biscitza back on board. I really think that that Philly has a heck of a chance in the music city. She's, uh, she's pretty special, but you know, in the, Music City, we have Jamie Spencer. This is the first time a European, top European, one of the best riders in the world, is coming in to ride at Kentucky Downs. Um, you've got a Europe, European horses shipping in. Uh, Mama's Girl is a first-time U.S. coming in from Great Britain for Richard Hannon. So this is, it's kind of a pivotal year and a, time, a season for Kentucky Downs where you might see some trends change a little bit because we've, again, never had certain situations, which makes it that much more interesting and also gives you that much more opportunity to maybe get a good price to worse. Caden, when you're handicapping races, especially at Kentucky Downs, obviously you look at the PPs. What is the next most important thing to you? Is it the connections? Is it the way the horse looks? Is it the fact that they might have had success at Kentucky Downs before? I definitely look at horses who have run previously, but the, the problem becomes there are fewer and fewer of them as more and more trainers take advantage of the big purses and ship more horses in. You know, each year we get incrementally more trainers that come in. So it is an important angle to me, that horse for course angle or the fact that they like it. But I would say after I look at the past performances and just kind of running style of class and also style, the, the most important thing is um, in looking at them or knowing them, are they the types of horses that um, can, can relax, can kind of um, adapt to situations because it's so unique? Um, you get a sense in the paddock of whether they're excited about being in a different environment or whether they're intimidated by it. And then even out on the track, the ability of those horses to listen to the commands of their horses, uh, their riders, even if they're um, speed horses, speed is great, but they have to be able to turn it off and be comfortable and just kind of cruise along versus struggle over the course. And some of it's guesswork, but sometimes you can get a lot of clues by watching them in the warm-up and watching them in the paddock and just seeing their mannerisms and and how comfortable they seem in general. And so that, to me, is probably the second most important thing. I mm. wish I could do that and combine it with the <laughs> handicapping, because you do the handicapping, you know, usually 48 hours out or more, um, and you don't have the benefit of seeing them. But once you have the benefit of seeing them, it makes a big difference. 
Kane Bradar with us. Uh, C. Bradar on Twitter. Go find her stuff there. She'll be on the broadcast tomorrow at Kentucky Downs and Sunday, of course, as well, uh, as they welcome in. Uh, the Mint Millions is a $2 million race, so we should probably talk about it like it's a $2 million race here. Kevin. Yeah, I think um, it's, yeah. it's one of the um, biggest races there, right? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, you know, a, a horse um, in here uh, that I think many people uh, will know, of course, is uh, – oh, my gosh, and I just lost my notes, and I apologize. This is Annapolis who's coming in here, four-year-old, mm-hmm. uh, son of Warfront. He's coming out of the four-star Dave, uh, having finished right behind Casa Creed. Great news for him. There is no Casa Creed in this race. Right. Um, <laughs> Do you expect do you expect a big run out of him? Obviously, Tyler gets the mount here as Irad decides to stay uh, at Saratoga this weekend. Um, big run out of him, or we, is there a chance to beat a favorite? So I I definitely respect Annapolis, and and I will not be shocked at all if he wins the race. I'm probably going to try to beat him, but he is you know he's one of those favorites. It's a very logical horse that I, I think without Casa Creed on class. Um, he he should be very well met. He's also another one that has a pretty high cruising speed, but he doesn't have to be on the lead. He he looks like, to me, he's a tactical horse. And um, by that, I mean a horse that'll kind of listen to the commands of this rider, doesn't get discouraged if another horse puts their nose in front. He can show speed, but get position and then relax. So I think he's going to be very, very tough. It's worth noting that you've got horses coming in from Europe for the first time again, Ancient Rome has shipped in for Charlie Hills, yep. who is a top trainer. Um, that horse has been uh, kind of knocking on the door at the highest level, but he is a stakes winner. Um, he won a listed stakes in his most recent start at Goodwood. Um, that's the one Jamie Spencer's riding. And then um, there's there are a couple horses, and I do think the European horses, just their style, uh, bodes well for their success or their ability to handle the course, the undulations and everything. Um there's a horse from Ireland, Debob, who is a second-time U.S. horse. He didn't show much at Ellis Park, and um, but I, I think he's sneaky. I, I don't know that I can pick him to win, but I'm eager to see him in the paddock, and I definitely am probably going to use him in in some of my wagering because I, I think it's it's a horse that you're going to get a great price on. Yeah, that's uh, DeBob, the 11 horse, 30 to 1 on the morning line, uh, Adam Biscitza. Uh, Caton, uh, do you have to drive back and forth for Louisville, or do they put you up in that brand new hotel down there? You know what? I, I do drive <laughs> back and forth when it's just one day, but when we get to the weekends, I will be staying and taking advantage of the amenities. It's And also, you know, it's a real treat to get to stay out there. Um, Nashville is just a hop, skip, and a jump. And even just uh, get hanging out with everybody close to the track in Franklin is just a lot of fun. That's, I think, one of the aspects about it, the meet that I absolutely love. That is a little different than most places. It's kind of like our our version. I like to call it a hillbilly Saratoga because it's it's, it's a party <laughs> and everybody kind of. But it's much more relaxed. We're all in blue jeans and. Uh, get to be much more casual. I heard somebody say that it's the only time in a graded stakes race they get to go to the paddock and have lunch in the, di- in the quote, dining room, and they get to wear shorts. <laughs> Kate, I have an idea for the, uh, the production next year. We will keep you in your professional role, but we're going to have Dan Issel in a floating... Um, in a floating donut in the pool there, trackside, 
I love it. Doing, I think it's perfect. Doing some handicapping from the pool. Are you in favor of that? I am all in favor of it. I love it. I can get a, a, a spot at the pool for after the races. Oh, there we go. All right. Well, she's Kate and Bradar. She'll be down there at Kentucky Downs uh, for the entirety of the meet. So make sure you check her out at C. Bradar on Twitter as well. Hey, Kate, and this was delightful. Don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you back. Hey, thank you for the kind words. It's always it's always a treat to talk to you. So good luck too. We all need thank it. Thank you. Yeah, right. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, right. That's okay. for sure. All right. That's thank you, Kate. Sure. Kate Bradar down there at uh, Kentucky Downs. Reminder uh, that we'll have. Um, boy, we're doing all kinds of stuff with Kentucky Downs. We'll keep you updated on their meet. Uh, hey, 